And welcome back to Insemination. My name is Laura High, your chaotic sperm donor baby of the podcast world. The podcast of Insemination is all things donor conceived. And I am, as always, so excited for our next our next interviewee. We are interviewing Danielle, who is the co-founder of Seed Scout, a known donor matching agency. I am so excited for Danielle to come on and talk about known donors, why known donors are amazing, and also to talk about the issues she has been facing trying to normalize known donors, the issues that she's been facing from banks and clinics to talk about the absolute bullshit red tape that the clinics and cryobanks are putting up for no reason, because I think that these are all good things for us to understand what we can do about them and how we as a society can continue to support using known donors, because that is what the majority of donor-conceived people want, want and where the industry is absolutely going. But before we go into this awesome interview, uh, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. One, if you have not subscribed to Insemination, please do. We're available on all places you receive your podcasts. Also remember, we film Insemination, and the entire episode is on YouTube as well. So you can, if you are a visual learner like myself, you can watch it because as much as I have a podcast, I can't listen to podcasts. I can't do it. I need, I need the visual stimulus. I need it. Um, also, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok, on, uh, on threads at Laura High Five. Fuck X. Like, I don't give a shit. You can follow me there if you want. I technically have an account. I never use it. Follow me on threads. But, um, and also I've got some amazing, amazing shows coming up this next month. I've got a ton of shows in New York City, uh, but next month, April 18th, I just booked a show in Cleveland. Um, the ticket uh, ticket thing, ticket, what, what is it called? Ticket link, ticket link will be available on my website very shortly. It's probably not going to be up yet when this podcast is, is up, but follow me on Instagram. That's where I post all of my show links. I've got some phenomenal shows coming up that I'm so excited about. So hopefully I will see you there. Uh, but let's not waste any more time because I'm clearly just rambling and let's get to the episode. And welcome to Insemination, Danielle. How are we doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here. I am. I. I. I if, if anybody um doesn't know, we talk almost every day, so this is just it. now rolled into our uh, new conversation. So I'm so excited to uh uh I, I guess share one of our conversations with the public. Yeah. Yeah. And literally went from not knowing each other to talking every day. Like literally talking every day. <laughs> Um, well, I'm so excited for you to come on and I talk about Seed Scout and talk about specifically the and talk about known donors, because as donor conceived advocates, we keep preaching and we keep advocating for known donors, which your agency, that's what you do. Um, but unfortunately, you deal with a lot of red tape with the clinic, and I would love to do kind of a deep dive and go in the weeds with it. But before we start, tell everybody about Seed Scout. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I started Seed Scout in September of 2022. We've had about about almost 80 clients at this point. I think we're in the 70-something clients. Um, and we yeah. have 140-something donors. Um, we started Seed Scout because we looked on banks like everyone else does to start. And we were like, no, this cannot be the option that we have, like the only option. Um, and so, I mean, we had a lot of issues, right? We had, we were like thinking about how many half siblings our kids would have and found out that it could be a hundred or even more. And we were like, that's really confusing for kids. And, um, then we kind of thought about from a medical perspective, cause my wife's a physician, um, pediatrician. And so she was like, how do we know these medical histories are real? Like, it feels like this isn't real. And so, you know, anyone who says they have no medical history is just not telling the truth. No, everybody, ever, everyone does. So, um, you know, when we started doing a deeper dive, we found, uh, um, you know, we found donor Dylan and all of those kind of, um, people. And we kind of shout out to donor Dylan. We love the best. Mm -hmm. Um, and we found out that like the way that they collect medical history is just not right. Like telling people that they only qualify for a perfect medical history and then turning them down and asking them to reapply. Like there's just so many issues. So we were like this, we're not, we don't trust this. We also thought about it from the donor's perspective. We did not want to give money to an organization that does not allow gay men to donate or actually any man who has slept with another man in the last five years to donate. Um, Isn't it horrible that an industry that like act like the majority of their income comes from the queer community, they yeah. also discriminate from the queer community? Like I just I find that to be absolutely repulsive. 
And and what's crazy is that most people who are buying sperm, like most queer people who are buying sperm are not aware that this is a rule. Yeah. And so they are giving money kind of blindly to organizations yeah. like this. And that's like even more sad because it's like, they're not, yeah. they never say it anywhere, right? Like it's not, they just, anyone who applies, they just say, sorry, you don't, you don't qualify if they have slept with another man in the last five years. They throw so, up a bunch of rainbows on their website and then do yeah. this. Oh my God. Um, and they probably turn their logo as a rainbow in June. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. They always do. And, and it's, yeah. it is the ultimate queer baiting and it is, it is yeah. so awful. It is. It's really bad. Um, and then, so anyway, we, we didn't want to give money to an organi- any organization that doesn't allow gay men to donate. Um, and then the other part of it was that we didn't love that the way that donors are treated is kind of like cattle in a way. And and someone recently actually said it to me like that. And I was like, that is spot on because he went and applied and he decided not to do it. But um you know, they're kind of like just saying like they they get lied to. They say like, you know, it's going to this amount of families. It goes to way more families than what they tell anyone. And we can go into that. Um, and then on top of it, they, no donor gets a choice in who they donate to. And it just feels like it's a very like blank check process. And this is a pretty personal decision for everyone. And I think it should be a lot more like personal in how you go through it. Creating um, a child with somebody should be personal. Yeah. I and know. have personal care and thought. What? It's crazy. It is crazy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then crazy Danielle. <laughs> once we got connected with you and every other donor conceived person, everyone was just saying like the same exact thing of what they would want. Known donor, updated medical histories, um, smaller family pods, like just, or sibling pods, whatever it is, family counts. Literally everyone was saying the exact same thing. So we're like, all right, clearly there's an issue and clearly it needs to be solved. <laughs> let's just call it, let's call it spade a spade. So yeah. we started this company um, and that's kind of what we do to give a little background. We limit every donor to only donating to three families. They have to sign an agreement that they have not and will not donate to any other organization, any Facebook group, anyone that they did not know before. The exceptions are they can have their own kids. They can donate to a family member if there's a family member struggling with infertility. They can donate to that person's wife or anything like that or husband. And then um, the uh, and then they can also donate to um, like any friend. So the way that we define friend is someone that they knew before sperm became a topic. Um, it can't just be someone who just reaches out asking them to be a donor. Um, yes, this is my sperm friend. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. we are now friends. So we are happens. now friends for a very particular reason. Exactly. Um, so then, and then once, you know, we help basically, we help everyone match with the perfect person for them, right? We want them to find exactly what they're looking for and to, um, and to really enjoy meeting that person and to like their personalities and to feel like, like the best feeling is when you're like, if my kid ends up a hundred percent like this donor, I will love it. <laughs> like that um, is the best feeling. That's like, makes my heart happy because there are so many recipient parents who get upset when the yeah. child is where, where they're like, is that, is they, they, they don't look like me. Oh my God. Do they look like the donor or are the, is, does that personality come from the donor? They're not. And it's, yeah. that's so sad. And I, yeah, that's 100%. so sad. The, like so many people come to us and they're like, we want someone with like really bland features so that we like overpower the features. And then by the end of the process, they've met this person did not at all sound like what they wanted at the beginning. And they were like, no, no, we just love him. Like we don't care about anything else. We love him. And I think it is hard, right? Going into it, like not knowing who you're going to end up with, you have this idea in your head and you have to come up with something. Otherwise, how are you going to decide anything? Um, and then you just end up being like, whoa, this this entire profile speaks to me. The way that this person like is described speaks to me. And then they meet the donor and like, people are like, I'm so emotional. It's such a great day. Like the, it's just like a, I don't know. People are like, it feels like I'm dating. It's so weird. And then they're like, did you think that he liked me back? Like, it's so fun. Cause you're just like, like, it's just, you get to watch these like incredible matches come like come to fruition. Um, and then once they're matched, we help them go through all the steps and this is where it's going to get this is the topic for today, right? It is so hard. We obviously there's some things that are easier, right? Like there's like legal, like everyone just needs a lawyer. It's not that hard. There's psych, which we work with the best person ever who, you know, yeah, um, I, do, I do know. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, 
And those parts are a lot easier to go through. Mm-hmm. The part that's hard is the clinics. The clinics are putting up re- like just barriers after barriers. Like um, a lot you, of them. what are some of the red tape barriers that the clinics are just putting up for you and your clients? Yeah. So I think it's like hard because first of all, the client has to find their own clinic and then the donor almost never lives in the same city as the client. I think New York city is my one exception because it's Mm. basically a country. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We, we, yeah. And I mean, and you need a passport to travel to each of the different boroughs. It's so true. Like you will never run into anyone, you know, pretty much. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's always like a miracle when that happens. I know. Um, so, you know, when, the basically the client has to have their um, their clinic and then the donor donates to another place. And if it's okay. a cryobank or a clinic or whatever it is, that's kind of like whatever's closer and cheaper for mm-hmm. the client that obviously still goes through FDA steps. Um, that's where they donate. The hardest part is finding a clinic that will accept donations for donors without the client being a patient. So... It's just like, they're like, well, we're not making enough money from this. It's not really the big of a revenue stream. And, you know, we're not going to help with the donor unless the client is doing IUI. Uh, It is not profitable for us. Not profitable. Um, The other biggest issue, which is, I think, the more relevant one, is that a lot of clinics are are not very pro-known donors. They think, I think, honestly, the reason is it takes more time and effort for them. A sperm bank is pretty easy. You buy vials, like you buy shoes. They appear to your door, the door of the clinic, and then they put it away in storage. And it's just not the same for a known donor. There's a lot of steps that they have to make sure everyone's completing and kind of like, they feel like they have to walk everyone through it, but that's what we're doing. And it doesn't really matter. So it's hard. What is, so so you're the ones who are walking the client through. So then what would be the extra steps that a clinic has to do that is causing this much hubbub? Um, reading reports saying that steps were done. It's not, not that much. <laughs> oh, so it's, okay. So when we say that like there's extra steps, yeah. it's like an email. It's like reading an, a letter that the lawyer wrote saying a legal agreement was done and signed and we're done with the step. And then reading a report by a therapist uh, saying, you know, I talked to the people and they were all on the same page and everything was fine. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't, I, I don't even know if I qualify for that as work. That seems pretty, does the, would the clinic have to do like an STD test? Would they have to run the STI panel? Uh, not unless they were collecting for the donor, which almost never happens. Usually the donor goes somewhere else where they live. Okay. Okay. So so the fact they just don't want to read an email. They don't want to, yeah, they don't want to read a letter. They don't, I, I mean, there's not that much work. It's really someone just being able to keep track and saying, yep, all the steps were completed for this client. We are good to go. Um, it's just more work. I mean, even if it's 20 minutes, it's more work than it would be for other clients that use a sperm bank. Okay. Okay. So, uh, all right. I-, I guess this is where I'm confused. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> what makes that different versus using a sperm bank? Because so then, so the sperm bank, they're just saying like, so the sperm bank I get, essentially is taking care of all that. The sperm bank says, don't worry, we covered all of that. You don't have to worry about that. So the clinic is just trusting that the bank did that. Yeah. Well, so there's no legal agreement because you don't even know the name of the donor. You There's no way to have a legal agreement with a donor that you that is anonymous. Right. So mm-hmm. the agreement is with the bank. And I've seen the agreements. They're not they're not that great. But the agreement is with the bank, the donor okay. and the bank agreement. So that's done. And then the the psych evaluations, I mean, they don't even do them at all the banks, I'm pretty sure. And And if they do, it's really recent. So for some reason, that's okay when the bank isn't doing them or just started doing them. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. The genetic testing is done by the banks. The STI panel is done by the banks, but it's also done by the banks for this too. Yeah, but also we we know that like the genetic testing that the banks do are usually fairly itty bitty and the parents don't really have control over it. Yes. So Uh, they donated five years ago and they were only testing for a hundred genes five years ago. You're comparing apples to oranges because now they test for 450, 550 genes. So with your, like hypothetically with, um, so do you connect 
your clients to a genetic counselor to handle the genetic testing if that's what they want? So they order the genetic testing without a genetic counselor meeting. And then if they want a genetic counselor meeting, they can have one. Like we help facilitate that. Um, and then uh, the test tests for 445, the current panel that we're using. Um, and then the donor gets the exact same test. So you're comparing apples to apples and it's like testing for way more than what you would normally test for. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, yeah, that that's significantly more than what yeah. the banks do because the banks obviously they they don't test the parents like that's not no but the the parents get tested at their clinic at the clinic yes. yeah yeah um okay okay I'm still struggling here to figure out what the problem is and why okay yeah. so then what what do you do so then you you have a clinic that's like sorry no go we don't do known donors then well, they won't say that necessarily because they okay. don't want to admit that they won't do non-donors. They just put up a lot of barriers. So they'll say there's a six-month quarantine and we can't waive it. And what a quarantine is, is after the last donation that a donor does, which is usually one week of donations, there has to, you have to wait that amount of time and then retest the donor for STIs at the end of that period so that what they're doing is making sure they didn't have any at the time of donations. I apologize, but I, I thought we... we we don't need to do a quarantine anymore. I thought that that was. Yeah, you're right. Anonymous donors have to do a six month quarantine. Known donors have to do zero quarantine. Zero days are required by the FDA. Um, But clinics all come up with their own rules and that's fair. They can have their own rules if they want. And a lot of times clinics say 35 days or 45 days. That's the most common thing that we see. The clinics that really don't want to work with known donors say six months and they won't waive it. What is the, is there any benefit of waiting six months? There is, um, it's almost 0%. Like it's like under 1%, I think, of people okay. that take six months to show for HIV to show up from the date of infection to the date of the blood test. It's like pretty much at zero right now. Um, back when AIDS became a pandemic, um, it took almost six months. So it, there was a benefit back then, but as you know, that was a really long time ago. Don't, don't say that, that that's going to age me way too yeah, fast. Sorry. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Things should have changed by then. <laughs> Um, um, but now, yeah, there's no, I mean, there might be a benefit to 30 days, you know, it could be helpful. A lot of okay. these men for us, at least are on prep. They're gay men. They're on prep, which is an, you know, a, yeah. it avoids HIV. Um, and so it feels like that should be enough, but that's not even enough. So anyway, it's yeah. Red tape. Okay. All right. Is and this might be a question that you just might not be able to answer, but um, so if the whole point, sorry, let me let me back up. If they don't want to use known donors because it creates 20 minutes of extra work, is there any other reason why they don't want to use known donors? Like, is there, I don't know, are, are these clinics uh, affiliated with the banks? Like, what what is... Because that, that just doesn't seem like enough reason to me of like, okay, 20 minutes of extra work. This is your client. This is what they want. This is a future kid, more importantly than a client. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, again, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I okay. know that almost every clinic has a list of banks that they will accept donations at. I know that they are very strict about that, right? It's always the big ones. It's always the like Fairfax mm -hmm. California cryo, like, um, Zytec, like it's always like a short list of names. Um, I don't know why, because everywhere does FDA testing the yeah. same exact way. I mean, that, that's the law. Test. Yep. It's a law. And FDA is literally auditing these places and going in and making sure that it's all being done right. So I don't know why one is better than the other. Well, and also hypothetically, let's let's make up a, a scenario that actually is quite real, but like, let's say those preferred banks that they are using. Um, what if like none of those banks have the ethnic background of the non-biological parent that they're trying to match? Or they only have two and there's a or, gene in common, right? Like, absolutely. Then, then what, what do those recipient parents do? 
like, do they have to get special permission from the clinic? Do I think they wait until one pops up or they use a different ethnicity, which is not what they wanted to do to begin with. Okay, sure. All right. That's fine. Oh is it? <laughs> I hate it here. This is. Yeah. Whereas they can go with you and literally find. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this um, is fine. This is yeah. fine here. Um, <laughs> I'm fine. You you know that meme where like the dog is sitting in like the house with like fire around it. And yeah. Like, this is fine. That's that's just how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, so then, but then we also have like the direct to donation, and that the fact that some banks will allow donors to donate through the bank with the intention of it going strictly to a singular recipient parent. Yes. However, the the quarantine period there is still whatever the clinic wants, the clinic where the where the patient is, like the intended parents are. Okay. Okay. Wait. Okay. All right. So even though hypothetically the bank is going to take care of everything, they're still going to make that donor go through a six-month waiting period, six-month uh, quarantine. For some clinics. Some clinics are amazing and they're saying one week, 35 days, zero days. Like some are great, right? There's some that literally are not trying to stop someone from using a known donor. Um, the ones that are doing six months, I mean, who's waiting six months? Like if they're on a fertility journey and their age is creeping up and they want yeah. the baby, they're not going to be like, okay, cool. I'll just wait six extra months. No problem. Yeah, that's no. That's... Yeah. So we're advising people to leave those clinics and to just go somewhere else because I think until I think money is the only thing that's going to speak. And if they're starting to lose clients and known donors are the way to go, that's just what's going to end up happening until they change their rules. So if you OK, so the six month quarantine is a red flag. Is there another red flag that you would tell people to sort of be aware of with the clinic? Yeah, there's been some clinics that we actually just recently had a clinic in Seattle that refused to let the donor donate anywhere but Seattle Sperm Bank. And the donor does not live in Seattle at all. And so they're making the, the intended parents fly the donor to Seattle Sperm Bank and to donate there, which to me is like, why is it only one? Like you'll accept sperm from any other place. Why? Like why I'm sure there's another bank somewhere yeah. that is much closer that's not going to require the parents to pay even more money to just fly the, the freaking donor out. Yep. Why? Yeah. Why would they require it to know. be at a specific bank? I don't know. And then and and the bigger issue, I think, is that a lot of cryobanks are trying to defer deter people from using known donors because it hurts their bottom line. And so what will happen in like a city where Fairfax is the main place, everyone, every clinic that you call in the area will just say, oh, we use Fairfax for that. We use Fairfax for that. Like everyone pushes you to Fairfax. You call Fairfax and they're like, oh, yeah, that's 6,500 minimum if there's a quarantine period at 7,500. And now we're looking at like you know, like your whole bank account is going to be depleted by doing this. Yeah. Just to, I mean, th this is where I really get very confused as to how and why Fairfax charges a minimum of 6,500 for a direct to donation. I, it blows my mind because they used to charge about 3,500. I mean, is it gold plated? Do they, is that a service that they, they, does it, does the child automatically come with a college acceptance? Like, I don't understand. What do other, what, what is the going average rate for a directed donation through a, a bank? About 3000. I've seen it go up to like 3,500 generally, but it should be around that. Obviously there's like some things, right? If you have a quarantine period, it's a little bit more, if you don't it's less, mm -hmm. et cetera, but um, it's about 3000. So it's over double what anywhere else is charging. And yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And then California Cryo just stopped their known donation process or program in general. So they said, you know, I, I called and I asked why. And they said, oh, it's because we're moving headquarters. And I was like, what does that have to do with known donors? What does that have to do with doing a directed donation? Nothing. And um, so anyway, they refused to collect anyone who's a known donor. And so even and, and no clinics know this. They didn't alert any clinics. So places like Shady Grove will all say, oh, use California. If you're in that city, use California. And then we have to call and be like, listen, California is not accepting it. 
what's your next option? And they're like, oh, there is no other option. There can't be no other option. So like, yeah, it's just like going around in a circle in a circle. It's crazy. So then, because like, I know like, like certainly with like Fairfax, Fairfax has many satellite locations. I mean, that might be the literal only option for so many recipient parents. And on top of, you know, paying for IUI, IVF, like everything. And now they have to drop a minimum of $6,500 to like literally just collect sperm and do an STI panel. Yep. And and a physical exam to be And a physical exam. I mean- 10 second physical exam. 10 second. Yeah. I mean, the physical exam, that's a light- it's a light term. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a licensed medical professional, but I'm like, I feel like I could do that physical exam given what it is. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I would, and, and again, I I'm saying this, I'm going to say this under the giant umbrella of allegedly, but I would assume that the most money in terms of like finding donors goes into the literal recruitment doing those interviews taking that time i mean you know it takes a lot of money for those college for those um sorry for those uh banks to you know set up a pop-up stand on a college campus that takes the money to do that to do all that predatory behavior but um oh god i hate when they go to college campuses it's so gross all they do uh by the way what 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 is what is the age of your youngest donor 24 yes yes (laughs) that's what we love to hear Oh my God, it's not that hard. Now, I, I just, I want to, I want to phrase this really quickly because you only do known donors. Only. Yeah, only known donors. And your youngest donor is 24. Yeah. How many donors do you have? Um, About 140 something. You have 140. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's more That's than some banks. It's more than some banks. Yeah. And you are actively, and the thing is, and you don't turn away anybody for I'm going to say medical differences. No, the only thing we can't accept is someone with HIV because of the risk of transmission. Otherwise, anyone is, you know, it's up to parents what they want to accept in kids' family medical history. We just want the truth. So the 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 fact that the the banks and the clinics are like crying about how like no one like we we people aren't we're, we're running out of donors is just absolute bullshit. They're just shooting shooting themselves in their own foot. Yeah. And I think they're not treating donors well. So a lot of donors are coming to us saying like, I thought about donating, but I didn't think there was any good option to do it because I was never going to go to a bank. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I would, and I have to say like, those are the people that in my opinion, we want donating. We want the people who are realizing like, Ooh, this is, this is a sketchy situation. Um, I, the fact that like, if you look at the recruitment ads and the recruitment tactics that all these banks use and you think about who that's going to attract. Yep. The fact that they're actively going to frat houses and go like pay for your spring break. I'm like, do you really want that? Like, that's the donor you want? The amount of ads that my like Seeds Scout account gets about like, do you want to donate? And they like every single holiday, they have to make a pun about Um, sperm. And I'm like, can you just like get mature people who don't need a pun to sign up? Like, is that possible? I mean, it feels like these are written by SNL. I I, 100%. I mean, it's like, God damn, this is the, like, we are really, th- this is, this is, the, we're not selling blenders, guys. Like, this is, this is, so okay, bad. that's fine. All right. Okay. So, l- 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 so back to the known donor issues. Um, So we have, so you can be in a city, you can be in a town, you could be in a state, or your donor could be in a city, town, or state where, let's say, Fairfax is your only option and you have to pay Austin, Texas. Oh, that's Austin, Texas. Yep. Fairfax is the only option. No one will do it. I've gotten no's from everyone. The only option is Fairfax. Oh my God. Okay. And then we have, or, or you're in a town with like California cryobank, which also has a ton of satellite locations and they don't do it anymore. LA. <laughs> that's LA. Oh my God. It's all um, major. It's crazy. They're doing it. I mean, look, it's not it's not by accident. And then I just realized I just learned, actually, um, I think it's like the New England Bank of whatever the one in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Um, they say that you have to pay a thousand dollars for the application to see if your donor qualifies 
as a donor. But then I'm like, what? Well, what would make them not qualify? Is being gay one of the things that would make them not qualify? Because if so, then you don't, you just like, it's a thousand dollar non-refundable. I mean, I have to look into this, but this does not sound good. What? Oh, you have to pay an application fee yeah. for a known donor. Like, okay, this is the thing that I, I don't understand. Okay. You're using a known donor. You're yeah. using, this is this is my known donor. I consent to this known donor. I this, take the, the risk. I like, take the yeah. risk. I have a contract. We did the lawyer. We have yeah. the contract. We've done the psyche. That, like, we've done the work. This Everything. is a random person I found on Facebook. Then, yeah. then what, what, I don't understand then what the problem is. So a lot of clinics try to create a definition for known donors where there is none. FDA has not defined it. ASRM has not defined it. I don't think anyone has defined how long you have to know a person for, for it to be a known donor. That is not defined. Okay. And so they're trying to say, did you know him before? Well, even if you knew him before, is he a sibling? If he's a sibling of someone you're dating or that you're married to, then it's okay. Well, like they're putting like all these rules about it. It's crazy. And it's not, it, it is honestly for people who are using friends as well. It's not just the people who are using our service. It's not like yeah. that's the line. It's like anyone that might not be related to you, but also maybe they're like, have you known them since birth? Like there's all these questions they're asking. And it's like, no, I just know this person now. I've gotten to know him and he's donating for me. End of story. I mean, I can. I can understand why a clinic would be like, we need to know that you have a legal agreement. I can oh, under- sure. I can understand why the, the 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 clinic needs to see that. And I fully agree with that because there are so many parents who are like, no, nah, we don't need a contract. It's verbal agreement. It's fine. And I'm like, God, no, please, please stop what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, I can fully understand that. But I... I don't understand. Like, if, you, if you've had all the work, you're going through you as well. Yep. Why they would make an application for a known donor and a thousand dollars like that's yeah, I mean that's just the bank that's the bank that's not a clinic, but that that that's, is yeah, that's crazy to me. there are I will say there are some places that we have come across that have been incredible. Some of them are like um uh columbia in in New York incredible. They only have a one week quarantine. If you're doing IVF 35 days, if you're doing like non-IVF, you know, like IUI. And that I think is fair, right? That pushes someone back one month. It's not the end of the world. And I think that they're doing it with good intentions. They are very pro known donor. They asked to put us on the list of options instead of only having banks on their options. Like they have been amazing. Um, and then other places like even Boston IVF, which I know has a lot of issues right now, but yeah, they're, they're not, yeah. they're not having a good time right now. They're not having a good time. They're not having um, a good time. Yeah. But they have a zero day quarantine and they even set up a program to help their clients who are using a known donor to be able to collect for their known donors. And yeah, I wish that they would do it for everyone and not just their clients. hundred percent. I wish that that, that could be better, but the fact that they're not putting up barriers, the fact that they had someone from Boston IVF call me to be like, this program sounds amazing. I've never heard of it. I'd love to like recommend it to clients. Like that's amazing. We have um, CCRM in DC. I, I can't speak to all the CCRMs, but the one in DC, Dr. Owen especially, has been phenomenal about it. We use her. We recommend everyone in the DC area to use her. She's phenomenal. There's just people that are really good. And then there's clinics that are just like, nope, we don't want to do it. And I think maybe they just have so many clients that they're like, I don't care if we lose these, but they're not taking into consideration like what patients want and what's best for them. It's frustrating that well, it it is. And it's also like this is this is the way the industry is also moving and going like this is going to be the future. I mean, look, the how many countries have banned anonymity at this point? Like this is the way it's 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 grooving and shaken. Um, So like, you know, making those moves at least to allow known donors at your clinic. And maybe having the banks being more friendly with the, the direct to donation would be like that would be a huge step in the right direction um, as recipient parents should be allowed to build their families this way. Yep, I, to- I completely agree. And like 
Another example of like a great place, UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. They've been phenomenal, right? They're even trying to help come up with a way where people who live in the middle of nowhere that have no clinics or cryobanks around them can still donate and they can manage the process. They can do the FDA feed. They or FDA, you know, clearance. That's amazing. They're amazing. They are literally trying to step out of the, like, they're just trying to be creative and make it happen so that people can use who they want as a donor. But like, yeah, because I, I was thinking like the people who are, I would say not near a major city. I mean, although unfortunately it sounds like LA is kind of like, you know, shit out of luck. Um, But yeah, the people who are not in a major city, like what on earth do they do? do are they then forced to buy a plane ticket for their donor? Yeah. Unless we can get this fully up and running and the, the program that they're trying to create is like the same program that they're using for Give Legacy and all those companies where they're, you know, having people cryopreserve their own sperm for future yeah. use and they're just shipping it. And I think that's the way of the future, right? Like having something where they can donate at home and not have to go into these creepy offices with a creepy little room, like all that stuff. I don't know what you mean. And the iPad <laughs> filled with porn. Yeah. <laughs> with like Playboy magazines. Let's try like not even an iPad. Not even an iPad. Uh, um, yeah, oh I've heard my God. stories, honestly. <laughs> but like things like that, that is the way to get like everyone so that they don't that more people are willing to donate because it doesn't take hours off of their life to have to drive somewhere far away or to have to like you know go to every appointment and all that stuff like that's that's the way but and also making it significantly more accessible and affordable for recipient yeah. parents yeah and and it's frustrating right like once you find out the real prices of things like the viromed um blood test is probably like 800 if someone if a if a clinic or a, a bank doesn't have a deal with Viromed which they all do and to see places like that one in Boston then whatever New England whatever uh they charge 1200 and it's like you're literally marking it up that much and you're not even doing the work you're just mailing blood so Viromed is an STI it's the STI panel that people use for oh so it costs eight hundred dollars and they're charging twelve hundred at the most it should cost about eight hundred and they're charging twelve hundred each time they have to do it so that's pre quarantine like you know the first day of the donations and then after the quarantine period oh my god the markup I know oh my god I know that's. I mean, I get it. I get at the certain I, there is a certain point where because like I, I've talked to obviously recipient parents trying to do the right thing, trying to use known donors. And at the end of the day, they're just like, we are out of like, we don't know what to do. And I get it. I understand why at the end of the day, there are so many recipient parents who just end up turning back to the banks because they're like, we don't know what to do. We keep we tried for so long to do the right thing. Yeah, I get why they just get exhausted. Yeah. And, and like, they just don't have the money to do that. That's the problem. Yeah. And like, and for us, even like, I hate charging as much as we do. But when I didn't, I was spending, I was getting like 10 cents an hour because I was literally spending hours and hours calling clinics, asking them to do the donations for the donors so that I could save them money in the long run. And then I was like, this takes forever. Like every client has something that goes wrong because of the clinic, something. So it's frustrating. That's I, I okay. I, I just what what are other things that go wrong? Um, like sometimes okay, like one time we used a place in LA um to do the donations and we were like so happy we found a clinic that was like you know in a decently good area for everyone. And um we went through them and then the the rule for the FDA is that the collections all have to happen within seven days of the blood test. So the blood test is what starts the clock. And then from there, they have exactly seven days to collect up to four times, basically. So they can do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the following Monday, as long as the last Monday was earlier in the day than the first Monday. Anyway, so that's their rule. So what happened was that they did the first collection and then the, they wouldn't answer the phones. They wouldn't schedule the appointment for the second collection. And then by the time they did, three or four days had gone by and there was no way to get four donations in one week. So then they said, oh, that that might have been our fault. We'll split the difference with you. And I was like, no, 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 no. So we had this whole call with the client and me. And we were just like, this was your fault. We tried everything to reach you and you wouldn't. And so it's just like arguing about things that go wrong because none of them can just be organized and attentive and it's just hard. So it, it just really, 
they just want it as simple as possible. And even though it's not that much more work, it's just they if want everything to- goes well, it's not a lot of work, right? Like reading a legal agreement is really the bulk of it. But when things go wrong, I mean, it does take more man hours to fix it. But I, I, okay. But even like, they don't even, I mean, I mean, tell me, obviously tell me if I'm, if I'm totally out of pocket on this one, they don't even need to lead, read the legal agreement. Like that's on you to read the legal agreement. No, they no, just no. have to like check off like, yes, legal, legal agreement. Yes. No, 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 no. They, no, no. So the clients do all the reading of the legal agreement. I want them to feel comfortable. I want the terms that they want in it. They work, understand. They okay. work with a lawyer. The lawyer writes it all. They basically explain it all. I mean, it doesn't take they probably could go without even fully 100% reading it as long as like the lawyer can explain like all of the things that impact them. There's mm-hmm. a lot of words that just have to be in there, right? Sentences that just have to be in there for legal protection. Um, but they do have to go through the legal step. And same with donors. They have to read the agreement. They have to understand what they're agreeing to. We can't do that for them. And also- Understand. Okay. That, that, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But we introduce them to the lawyers that, you know, we try to find them the cheapest and best lawyers in the state that they live in. We we basically connect them with everyone they need and all they have to do is complete the steps. So it takes a little bit more time, but then if you think about it, like a few hours extra on this end to have your kids be in a much better situation long-term and for you to be in a much better situation, not wondering who the hell this person is that makes up half the genetics of your kid, um, worth it. And I also want to like underline the fact that it's like for for your agency, you require consent with both the donor and the recipient parent for the match, which yeah. I I find to be as that should be. Yeah, it, yeah, it should be like people have to agree to what they're doing. This cannot just be a blind like matching. Do you need help finding your biological parents? Whether your donor conceived, adopted, or an NPE, please contact DNA Angels. DNA Angels is a nonprofit team of genetic genealogists that help you identify your biological parents. And this group is run by donor-conceived people, adoptees, and MPEs, so they will emotionally have your back during this process. DNA Angels has identified almost 5,000 biological parents since 2019 using test results from Ancestry DNA. And they are a nonprofit because they believe that your financial situation should not stop you from identifying your family. If you are searching to identify and possibly connect with your biological donor or missing parent, please reach out to dnangels.org. Must be at least 14 to apply, have tested at Ancestry, and presumed parents born in the United States of America. Well, I'd love to sort of sidestep for a second because I know that um, you have a wonderful, amazing uh, baby boy um, and you have a you and your wife have a wonderful relationship with your known donor. And I, yeah, I'd love for you to just kind of talk us through that, what that process was like finding him and what that looks like right now. Yeah. So we got lucky with finding him, right? We had, um, we basically like shook an, a tree of people and, <laughs> and hoped that someone like him would fall out. And it did. And and there were so many people that we thought we were going to use and had a gene in common or, you know, realized that maybe they lived a little bit too close or things like, or that, you know, one was a friend of mine and I didn't, we decided we didn't want to use someone who we were really close with as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up finding him and I mean, the second we talked to him, we were just like, he's so warm. He loves the same things as us. Like we all have a Nutella obsession. He's so close with his grandmother, like Aww. watching his relationship with his grandmother sealed the deal for us. So we were just like, his heart is so big. And like, we want our son to be like him and we want him to value family and adventure and like, you know, follow his dreams and everything just like this donor does. And then um, we got to know him for a while. Like we had, you know, multiple Zooms and things like that. We flew him into DC where we live to donate. Um, He came for a whole week. He spent time with us. We, you know, went to Rehoboth Beach in the area and like we did all these fun things and got to really get to know him. Um, And then he came back for the 35 day quarantine, post quarantine. Uh, So we hung out with him again then. And then since then, we we went to visit him in Italy and it was so amazing. We got to meet his mom and his dad. Oh and my God. Like, it was so beautiful. And, and like, I was pregnant at the time. So they were like, so emotional. And we were so emotional. It was so sweet. And they, they were so amazing about it, right? They kept saying, we're so happy for you all. And you're growing your family. They used all the right words, right? They said everything right. I, I know they weren't just like, oh, this is my grandchild. I didn't say anything like that. 
I love that they were, but this just sounds like it hit all, like it, it, this makes, it, it warms my heart to hear this because it just shows that this can happen. Yeah. You can absolutely be respectful of your family unit and also hold space for the child's genetic origins as well. Right. And it's totally possible to do both. And the fact, and it's just like, that warms my heart so much. Yeah, it was so nice. And then we flew him in to visit our son. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think we did that a little bit too young. He was like two months old and all he was doing was crying and spitting up. (laughs) It wasn't the best. Like He was like, wow, babies are a lot of work. And we're like, yeah, we just realized that too. but, you know, it was so nice to watch them meet. And and honestly, like, he was barely smiling at that age because he was, like, two, three months or something like that. And he smiled at the donor so many times that we were like, this feels biological. Like, it feels like... We are having some genetic mirroring going on. Yeah. Right something's... It's, I mean, they look nothing like it. But, like, something is... Um, it, it's so... It was so amazing to watch. And it's so amazing that we have the videos to be, like... Remember when you met your donor for your first time? You obviously don't remember, but here's here's some moments that we can like oh, play yeah. for you. And we did so much like e- even when he visited before when he was donating, we took a video being like we're about to meet your donor and like we like did this thing so we can put it in a oh, video for him one day. I so I love that. I just think it's such an important decision and our kids don't have a say in who we're picking and we want to make sure that like we're picking someone that will be an incredible influence and an incredible person to them down the line when they do get to know them more that's all right whatever I'm feeling emotions it's fine (laughs) it's all right but like I it's just I I love this for all of you I love this for all of you um and it just it's it's so heartwarming to see it is so it brings me so much joy it brings me so much hope yeah i'm really hopeful it start we're noticing so many people and and you know what recently in the last week i've had two calls with people who are donor conceived and they said I'm about to have a kid who's donor conceived and i could never do it the way my family did cuz i want better for them and like just seeing that trend of like people who are trying to break generational decisions that I mean, yeah. people didn't really have a, much of a choice back then. So yeah. can't blame them. But um, I do think they're rec- people are recognizing it. And I have to tell you, like being involved and in, and in communication with you and the rest of the donor conceived community has been the best for us. Like knowing that, like, I mean, hearing that, like we did the right thing and knowing that, like, like, I just don't think there's any other way to guess what our kids are going to feel or to figure out what our kids are going to feel other yeah. than listening to donor conceived people. And there's a reason that 90% or whatever it is say the exact same thing. We we reason. are, we do kind of, yeah, it, it really is. We all, not not every single one of us, um, but yeah, a, a lot of us are all saying the same thing of like, yeah, don't, don't do an anonymous donor. Don't do it. There's way too many risks involved. And yeah. Um, and for us, it, it really is like my, never a question in my head that like my father, the man who raised me, that is my dad. That is 100% my dad. Um, but the ability to have known my genetic origins, where I come from, being able to have that genetic mirroring, um, being able to know siblings would have been so emotionally and physically beneficial for me. And it's also so heartbreaking because I've now had the conversation with many recipient parents and donor conceived people about this when the recipient parent ends up meeting the donor later on in life and the recipient parent goes, I would have never had this a a kid with this person if I had met them. I find that to be heartbreaking. So many times. So many times. Yeah. That's horrible. I feel – I was talking to a donor conceived person who um, uh, they're – they are – they're – Obviously, their moms are obviously gay, and they have found out now that their donor is homophobic. Oh my God! Why are you going to donate to a sperm bank or like anyone? I mean, the high high likelihood it's going to go to a lesbian couple. I I think that this this donor was just in their own little Delulu head and just being, and I think that they thought like I'm going to help help out a um a couple struggling with infertility. Yeah, where it was just like you. 
what did uh, yeah no i agree it was it was total delulu um uh, but i was like that is heartbreaking yeah, i can't imagine what that's like for that kid to find out that like wow my donor is against my family like my bio lot like that's horrible to raise me yeah exactly it I mean, it makes such a difference to be able to meet that person and to be able to know the personality and and to be able to know that if there are really big red flags, you had a chance to find those red flags and you aren't just blindly trusting people talking to this donor saying like, oh, you know, like the problem is that they're incentivized, right? The people who work at these clinics and banks are, in, or sorry, banks are incentivized to say amazing things about the donor because they get more money if the donor gets picked more or recently found out that they get money if vials, if more vials are sold. And so that's incentivizing people to fill the vials less and things like that. So there's a lot of bad incentives in this space. And, you know, if if someone tells you the more that this donor is picked, the more money you get, all of a sudden this donor is charismatic and beautiful and kind and sweet. And like all of a sudden you have these amazing things to say about someone when in reality, maybe there were mental health issues you tried to avoid, like, learning about or things like that. And that's scary. I would have to say, like, if I have to throw one, and this is just based off of now experience, but if you're at a bank and the bank is telling you like, oh my God, use this donor, use this donor. They're so great. They're so awesome. Don't use that one. I can't tell you enough. Don't use that donor. There is another reason why they're pushing that donor as hard as they are. Yeah. Um, that and that's just something now that I've heard over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, potentially, why they're doing it is maybe they are just significantly like for whatever reason that sperm is like super fertile, but it doesn't mean that they are the person you would want to use, right? Um, and chances are, if they're pushing it as heavily as they are, that sibling pod is going to be massive. And it probably means they have a lot to push out. Like they donated a lot of times and they have a lot of vials. Yeah. And they just want to like- only like 30 and he was like a great candidate. They're not going to push it that hard. They're going to know it's going to sell. And and you said that you have a three family unit. Um, limit, yeah. You don't, and obviously they're not, you know, you don't have a giant cryo chamber of sperm like in that closet right behind you right there. No, I wish I did. No. <laughs> It'd be fun to be like, let me check on them. No, no, we don't collect anything. We never touch the sperm, which is great because that would be a weird job for me as a lesbian. I really don't want to just touch sperm all day, to be honest. (laughs) No, Uh, no, we don't touch it at all. It's like no one has to trust us to only match or like to only sell it to three families. Um, The donor donates directly per family. So it's like he knows 100% he is donating only for those three families. Now with it, with, with the, so yeah, it's a three family, it's a three family limit so that the donor is able to donate as many times as that recipient parent would like to them. So you can create the family that you want, but it is limited to three families. Yes. And it's only four times in one week that they can donate. If they need more vials, some people come up with different arrangements to get more vials for some reason. But um, yes, it's, you donate for one week to each family basically as a donor. Yeah, that. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense, Danielle. And <laughs> and you seem to like not have issues finding donors. Like you're No, I mean people when they're given a chance to do it in a way that's meaningful and that they can feel like it's personal and they have a choice and they have and, and they just feel good about the decision, a lot of people are willing to do it. I mean, it's something that people are like, that's a no-brainer. If I can help a family start a family, like if I can help someone and it doesn't hurt me in any way, of course I'm going to do it. So that's not an issue. I think it's really, if we started treating people like we don't allow gay men and we also don't allow you if you have had like heartburn in your life, like that. Oh yeah. The medical stuff that they turn away donors for, or, or the fact that that they say like, well, if you don't have a college degree or any, and I'm like, all right, thank you. Or if you're not, I think it's, 510 and up for some banks. Oh my God. The height, the height is just so stupid. Like really? Do you know how many people have come to me and said, I don't want anyone over 510. Really? Yeah. A lot. Like they're missing out. It's so stupid. Yes. All right. We have our short Kings. They're having a moment. They're great. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. But, and, and, but then the banks cry about like, well, we don't have enough donors. So this is, so it, it really is that they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Yep. And how, how long has Seed Scout been in operation? Since September 2022, so a year and a half. 
and you already have 140? 140 something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's, uh, so we literally uh, added two today. So like it's mazel to those donors, wherever you are. They're amazing. They're great. <laughs> so if you could hypothetically, so then what, what are the, um, what are the green flags that if people were like, I really want to use a known donor, what are the green flags that people should be looking for? If they're immediately um, connected with a third-party nurse coordinator who says, here are the steps that we require, which are the exact steps that we go through. And, you know, I'm here if you have any questions, green flag. Um, if they won't answer your question until you make an appointment about how long the quarantine is or if they work with you, if you have known donors, red flag, don't make the appointment. <laughs> like there should always be an answer. You don't need to make a first appointment and pay them the first appointment fee just to find out that it's six months. Um, and we've started collecting a list. What we're going to do soon, and we're releasing a new website in a few weeks, Um and I think what we're going to do is create like a resource page and kind of say in each major city here. The oh, fabulous. That we really enjoy working with and that are amazing towards known donors. Um, I think one day I'll come up with some sort of badge that they can put on their website to be like, we are known donor friendly. Because I think that would be really helpful for people that who are looking be. at it with like a quarantine period under it, you know, like something to be like, we're 35 day known donor friendly, like something. But um, we are going to try to collect the ones that are really great to work with. And we've been sending a lot of people to them because they're so phenomenal. And I think it's going to be a missed opportunity for people who for clinics that are going to put up red flags and barriers all the time. I think it is going to be, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, I mean, there are clinics who are like, there are, sorry, there are banks that are no longer accepting anonymous donors. Like yeah. they know this is the way that it is going. And it's just like, I don't understand like why they put up such a fight where it's like, th this is obviously like, make this available. Yeah. Make yeah. it available. Like, why are, why are you... Especially because sick. people are waiving the risk. I mean, I guess their biggest concern is that sperm banks take on all the risk. And for mm -hmm. them, if there's a known donor, then it might go on them. But like, that's why they have the waivers. That's why all the clients are signing it without a second thought saying, yeah, of course I'll waive it. I trust this donor. I think he's a really good person. And I've met him multiple times better than a sperm bank donor who I have no idea who they are. Well, I'd love to then, okay, then talk about the risk. Because um, I know a lot of recipient parents who are especially part of the queer community are understandably scared uh, and I totally totally appreciate that they are they they worry about the legal ramifications and they're worried that like well what happens if like my donor suddenly decides like no I want custody of the child what do you yeah. tell those parents so in most states in almost all the states there's a couple of exceptions it is very much written in law that it's very clear that the donor does not have parental rights when there's an agreement that waives parental rights. These lawyers have been doing it for so many years. They know exactly what to put in to make sure that that clients are protected or you know intended parents are protected and to make sure that donors are protected so that they don't owe money towards kids of so child support. Mm -hmm. um, I To me, it feels like because of 23andMe and all the other genetic testings out there, it's not anonymous no matter what, right? Like, it's very easy to figure out who a donor is for a lot of cases, even if it was anonymous when they purchased the sperm. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, I would rather know that I had an agreement with, a, with the donor. We had the exact same opinions and we felt the exact same way when we signed it. A, a therapist has met with the donor and said, "This is these are the things he said he's okay with. This is what they jointly said together. They all agreed to this. And knowing that all of those protections are in place, I feel better about that than just finding this sperm donor from 23andMe and then being like, oh, well, we don't really have an agreement. So hopefully the one that the bank wrote up that we've never even seen is good enough. That makes me feel better. Also, there's a lot of ways to protect. Like, And, and I think Facebook groups really need to push this information out because it really scares me that people are like, I mean, the oh amount of posts I see. God, the Facebook groups are literally the thing of nightmares. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause uh, for anyone who doesn't know, there are, there's a, there's multiple, but there's like a giant Facebook group um, that basically it's all about swapping sperm. Um, last time I was on it, it was at 30,000 members, but I think last time, I think it's over 40 at this point, right? It, it's a lot. I don't know, but it's a lot. But and then the posts that are like, I'm ovulating tomorrow. Can anyone come over? And I'm like, you're not writing a legal agreement in 24 hours. So I'm worried about you. 
at least when I was, because I, I took screenshots of everything and they had like a boilerplate donor agreement. And I oh, sent it to a couple great. like lawyer friends and I was like, is this legal at all? And they're like, no, they're like, this is not, this is like. Guess who wrote it? The donors, like yeah. that's who found it and are pushing it out. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not. And it also it's like different, as you said, different states require have different laws. You have to have a lawyer from your state to ensure that, like, you are abiding by your state laws. And then um, obviously a lot of these donors like push natural insemination. Yeah. Oh, members. yeah. I would assume that that is a no go. No, 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 no. Never, 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 never. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's always like the piece that like really creeps me out. And I'm just like, okay, so we're throwing donor conception just fully out the window. Also, have you heard of Tinder? Like, is there a reason that that's not working and that you're going there for natural insemination? It feels yeah. really weird. Oh, God, with all the dudes yeah. with the breeding kinks and everything. So weird. It's so like just it's it's we're throwing out. We're, we're throwing out any kind of legal safety. Yeah, we're and it's like and the and those guys, the guys that stalk the the Facebook groups, it's like that is the underbelly. Um, <laughs> oh, how and you you have said that you've had some some serial donors try and be donors through you, and you you catch them pretty quick. I yeah, I don't know if they're serial donors or if they've donated. I don't know because like obviously once they I find out they've donated to a couple people, I'm like, no, thank you. Like that's that that that's you don't qualify actually that's the one thing that they don't qualify if they donated to more than one other person like if that person was a friend but yeah it's um we 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 look up names like we we do our research I don't even want to say how so people can't no no we don't want to say how yeah yeah. but we definitely do our research to make sure that um people are not mass donators I I will say um in the time that like I have gotten to know you I I will say you cannot hide from Danielle like (laughs) no you you, she you she will find you and find all of your information like you are able to get information better than like anyone that I've ever met <laughs> like if like... I go missing I want you to be the one to try and find me like fuck the FBI I want it to be Danielle Danielle will find me I'm Liam Neeson <laughs> honestly I, I I would hands down put my faith in you way more I appreciate um, that so as as we're sort of like winding down with the end of the episode, is there anything that you that any questions that I haven't asked you anything that you would like to share, um, whether it's about known donation, um, being a recipient parent um, or or Seed Scout or anything that you just want to make sure that we talk about? I do want to say for anyone who's planning on using a known donor and not going through us, which is totally fine. I still love that you're doing a known donor. I want to say the things that that you should do to protect yourself. One is to have your own lawyer, have the donor, have his own lawyer, yeah. has to, different lawyer, different firm, cannot be the same lawyer, cannot be a cousin of his, has to be a lawyer in this space called ART, which is artificial reproductive technology. I'm not going to happen. And also to go through clinics when you're doing IUI or IVF or anything like that, or at least to go through a nurse midwife or someone who is tracking it and having like documentation, not doing it at home, please. And then also having the donor donate at a place where they are documenting it. Everything has to be documented. Um, And so just doing all of those steps helps so much protecting everyone, including the donor. And I really hope that that's something that everyone does one day, but I want to make sure people know that that's something that's really important. Also the psych evaluations, do them, don't skip them, not worth it. That, and if there is do you know, like if, if somebody's not going through you, is there, how, how do you get a psych evaluation if you're not going through an agency like you? There is, um, I mean, you can like look people up that will okay. do, um, I will say like Jana, I'm going to shout out to her right now. Um, Jana Rupp now. The best. Uh, and we she, are Jana fans here. Huge Jana fans. Um, I was actually she, on the phone with her this morning. Ah, you didn't even include me. I'm really no. I'm just kidding. I, I, we, I really actually I should have totally like tapped you in because we we were just dishing. Oh, I always want to be on this. Um, but yeah, so like even reaching out to her and if she has someone that she can recommend if she can't do it, just anything like that. A lot of times clinics will give you that information if you're working with a good clinic, um, and so just asking them for that information too would help. That is amazing. And then how how can people find you? The Seed Scout pretty much on every platform. 
TikTok, Instagram, you know, theseedscout.com, reach out. I'm always here to answer questions also, just because I really, really want to help everyone um, navigate this. And even if it doesn't help me, I don't care. I really want people to, I want to make sure people are doing it the right way and um, that people have all the information they need. I I love this. And I, I, I just really want to say thank you on, um, as a donor conceived person, the fact that like, as a recipient parent, you are actively really trying to help and push the ball forward. And I, I love the fact that, and I appreciate so much that both you and your wife were looking at the sperm banks and going like, oh, this just ain't it. And I, and I so, cause that is, that is rare that you, you all clocked that. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank I think you. People just didn't have a choice before. And so no. I think this is important that like people know that there is a choice and that they don't just have to do what the people before them did. Yeah, we can do, we can create a much, in my opinion, and I've, I've said this is like, I, we deserve a better fertility industry. You really do. One with regulations. (laughs) One with common sense regulations. Yeah. And everybody does like it is Obvious donor can see people, recipient parents, donors. We all deserve a better fertility industry in which all of our safety and our lot like it is put into an account. And, and because right now the fertility industry, it is it is all just about serving the bank's income. Yes. And if you get lucky, you get lucky, but there's a lot of people who don't. Yep. And it should be much more fair and equitable to all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Danielle. And I, as always, uh, it is always a pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure I will be either texting you later tonight or tomorrow. I can't wait. And also thank you for everything that you're doing. I mean, I know you're putting in so much work that's not, you know, even you don't even get thanks a lot of times. And um, I, I appreciate it. I know everyone really appreciates it. There's I've talked to so many people who follow you and um, take everything that you say really seriously. And I think you are making a difference and it's not unnoticed. Tell them I love them and tell them I'm here for them. I, I, yeah, I, I, I want, I, I, to me, I look at this as very simply as, and I, and I, I say this, that in a world filled with complicated problems, donor conception is not one of them. It's not, it's It's such an easy solution. We just have to do the solution. And if we all get on board with this, and if we all actively raise our voices and we, we, we sort of cumulatively all make the better choice, it becomes better for everybody. Yeah. And I, I want that for everybody. I want everybody to have the chance to build their family in a much more ethical and safe environment. Well, thank you. Thank you, Danielle. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Laura. Thank you.